felt like somebody had smashed me over the head with something. I can't describe the unbearable pain and I just started projectile vomiting and I was screaming. We pulled into the driveway and he said, wait there. But for some reason I didn't. So I got out of the car and tried to stand up and then just collapsed there on the driveway. And I don't have very good memories after that, really. I woke up and I was paralysed down one side, obviously. And on a ventilator, on my good side, I had been the most difficult patient (laughs) imaginable. I had honestly in my head, I think they say that the medication that they give you, the fentanyl that they give you to keep you in an induced coma, when you're coming off of it, it can cause you to hallucinate. So I think that added with the fact that obviously one whole complete side of me is paralysed and my good side was tied to the bed because I fully believed that I was fighting for my life. I was literally terrified. I thought I'd been captured and that people were doing experiments on me because obviously I'm tied on my good side because I keep pulling at the tubes and I'm paralysed on my bad side and I've got a ventilator so I can't speak and I can see all these people around me and I just thought that they were doing experiments on me so I was terrified. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Many people have problems with memory after a stroke, especially in the first few weeks and months. It often affects short-term memory more than long-term. Someone might find it hard to remember something they've just been told, but might recall something that happened 10 years ago. In this episode, we'll hear from Stevie Carver from Kings Lynn, who suffered a stroke at the age of 37. I was working two jobs at the time. I was working as a care assistant on a dementia unit and I was also working as an admin assistant, a job that I'd just started prior to having the brain hemorrhage. It was my second day in my new job and my car wouldn't start. So I was in a blind panic And I phoned a friend and said, you have to come and give me a lift because it's my second day. I can't be late. I'm going to look so unreliable. So I got a lift to work that day, which meant that I then got picked up that evening. And that actually saved my life because I would have been driving home at the time that I had the brain hemorrhage. So in that kind of sense, I feel really lucky because I think if I'd have been driving, I don't know what would have happened. I felt like somebody had smashed me over the head with something. I can't describe the unbearable pain. And I just started projectile vomiting and I was screaming. And my partner at the time was driving and he was sort of looking over at me as if to say, like, you know, why are you screaming? And I was saying, my head, my head. We pulled into the driveway and he said, wait there. But for some reason, I didn't. So I got out of the car and tried to stand up and then just collapsed there on the driveway. And I don't have very good memories after that, really. I have lots of vague 
very confusing, like a few sort of snapshots I can play in my mind of conversations I had with my family before the operation. They obviously took me to the local hospital and, and did a brain scan and they discovered that I had something called an arterial vascular malformation. They decided that they weren't equipped to deal with it at my local hospital and they were going to send me straight to Adambrooks. So I did actually sign a consent form for the brain surgery, but I don't remember any of that at all. I woke up and I was paralysed down one side, obviously, and on a ventilator. On my good side, I had been the most difficult patient (laughs) imaginable. I had honestly in my head, I think... They say that the medication that they give you, the fentanyl that they give you to keep you in an induced coma, when you're coming off of it, it can cause you to hallucinate. So I think that, added with the fact that obviously one whole complete side of me is paralysed and my good side was tied to the bed because I fully believed that I was fighting for my life and I was trying to pull all the tubes and wires out with my good side so a couple of times they tried to wake me up, but it, it had not gone that well. They'd sedated me again and then kept trying. When I did actually wake up, I had no idea where I was, who I was. I was literally terrified. I thought I'd been captured and that people were doing experiments on me because obviously I'm tied on my good side because I keep pulling at the tube and I'm paralysed on my bad side and I've got a ventilator so I can't speak and I can see all these people around me and I just thought that they were doing experiments on me so I was terrified. Stevie's stroke initially affected her short-term memory. Every conversation that people would have with me, they'd explain to me what had happened, who I was, where I was and I'd be fine. Then I'd go to sleep, wake up, and we'd start again. I would have forgotten everything that I just spoke about. So it was just a daily struggle for everybody to keep reminding me who I was, where I was, why I was there. For probably about two or three weeks, I'd say. I was devastated to start with, very depressed. Why me? Why did this happen to me? This is unfair. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. A lot of crying and probably not a 100% effort in my physio either. At the time, it was pretty grueling to try to learn to walk and talk and do everything again. And at the same time, desperately trying to pretend that I I had more of an awareness of what was going on than I actually did. I was trying to, like, I did know what was going on, but a lot of conversations I would just answer what I thought was required of me because I so badly wanted to be better that I thought if I could pretend that I was, that I actually would be. So I don't think that helped me in the early stages, to be honest. They really wanted me to go to another rehab facility, but I'd been away from my children for so long and I was getting really rather depressed. So after a chat with my doctors, we decided that it might be better for me to do my physio at home. So instead of staying at the hospital for longer, the physios would come out and see me at home three or four times a week just so that I could be like in my home environment. 
to try to lift my mood a bit, I think. But once I got home, I realised that I really had probably left hospital too early. But I'm such a stubborn person that I wouldn't admit it. But yeah, it was difficult. I did see a clinical psychologist. They were really helpful. And I also had a lot of support from the Stroke Association. And they came to see me at home and I rang their helpline quite a lot as well. I remember having some involvement with them when I was in Addenbrookes, actually. They gave support to my ex-partner at the time, obviously, while I was in a coma. They were obviously really supportive to him when I was in Addenbrookes. And then when I came home, they came to see me home and they arranged for me to go to local meetings. And I was actually part of a group of people that set up like a specific group for younger stroke survivors. So I helped to do that as well. And I've recently just filmed a campaign for the Stroke Association. I got to a point where I didn't want to be a stroke survivor. I just, want, I just wanted to be me, if that makes sense. So although I was very involved um, with them for a little while, I then had a sort of a break where I just done some things for me. And now I've gone back to helping them again. My relationship breakdown after my stroke and that hit me pretty hard so I had a period of being really depressed again actually I think the combination of everything I lost from having the stroke and then I felt that that was the cause of the breakdown of my relationship at the time I blamed it on that Coming up Stevie talks about walking a marathon for the Stroke Association It really did make me stop feeling poor me why has this happened to me and start thinking it doesn't matter that this has happened I'm still me it really helped with that I was quite embarrassed of the way that I walked found it really hard for people to see me sort of struggling walking with a sort of a limp I I really didn't like it and overcoming her post-stroke fears I just got back from my first holiday abroad. I went with a friend, so that was a pretty big thing for me to do, to like to travel all that way. I was proud of myself for that. A year ago, I wouldn't have even left my house, let alone to go to another country. Let's hear how Stevie decided to take a break from work. I used to do accounts and admin, and I'm not very good with numbers now, which is a real shame, but I haven't. That's just one thing that I haven't been able to get my head around. But I have started a a counselling course. I'm hoping to be a counsellor. I'm probably the best I've ever, ever been, actually, right now. It started when I did the sponsored walk for the Stroke Association. I think it just gave me back a little bit of self-belief. And the support that I got from like my local community was just overwhelming. And it really did make me stop feeling poor me, why has this happened to me, and start thinking it doesn't matter that this has happened, I'm still me. It really helped with that. I was quite embarrassed of the way that I walked. I found it really hard for people to see me sort of struggling walking with a sort of a limp. I really didn't like it. And I worked really hard at physio to try to get as much of a normal walk back as I possibly could but my right leg my right foot I still can't feel it properly I don't think I'm ever going to be able to now I 
walked a marathon in two weeks on a treadmill and raised a couple of thousand pounds for the Stroke Association, yeah. Stevie also decided to get Botox injections to help with her mobility. I have it in my leg regularly every four months. My brain is constantly sending a signal to my foot to scrunch up. Um, There's no way to turn that signal off. So the Botox is injected into the muscles in my leg and then that kind of freezes the muscles so that they can't scrunch up. It hasn't been massively successful with me. Uh, It was to start with, but as time is going by, it's becoming less effective. So I'm actually going to have a nerve block next time. It will dull the, the pain in my leg. I mean, I'm always looking for new things to try. I really would like to get my hands on a fez machine, a machine that will stimulate all of the muscles in my leg. You attach it to all of your whole leg and it could help me to walk. I just got back from my first holiday abroad. I went with a friend. So that was a pretty big thing for me to do, to like to travel all that way. I was proud of myself for that. A year ago, I wouldn't have even left my house, let alone to go to another country. I'd like to obviously help other stroke survivors and hopefully get into counselling and obviously continue working with the Stroke Association. Stevie thinks the stroke has changed her. It's so overwhelming to start with and so confusing, but it does get better and easy you just have to hang in there it honestly does get you do accept it in the end I think I'm probably a nicer person because of it actually I think it gives you empathy doesn't it like I think I'm a lot softened me I think as a person I just try to put myself in other people's situations a lot more than I probably did previously I think It is very difficult for the straight survivor and for their family. And my family found it extremely difficult to understand and to be supportive. That they are doing their best. So difficult for their friends and family as well. They must find it so overwhelming because there's basically, you feel like you've become a stranger. They gave me a 2% chance of surviving. And they said if I did survive, I probably wouldn't be myself so the fact that I am 100% myself is incredible really. Despite the serious emotional and physical difficulties Stevie experienced after her stroke she believes she's become a better person during her recovery and is now working on becoming a counsellor. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I was going to do my workout and I got about halfway through and I had this amazingly horrific headache. I grabbed my head and then I fell down. I think I kind of went to sleep a little bit at that moment, but I got up and drug myself a little bit further and then I fell asleep again and I drug myself a little bit further and I figured that if I just went to bed that I would be fine. 
Thank you for listening and thank you for sharing. And please do rate and comment wherever you get your Stroke Stories episodes to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please get in touch. Our DMs are always open on Twitter and Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.